Hey there, Tribe from the North Brave and Bold and all Big Sky football fans. You're listening to this week's episode of Big Sky Big Takes here on Tubs of the Club as it is syndicated throughout the Big Sky Podcast Network. We remind you that all content you find here on Tubs of the Club is brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky Cold Snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic Big Sky country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donate 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. 8% of their profits are donated to local Idaho causes, supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Make sure to visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get... Yeah, ass some snacks. Now, please enjoy this week's episode of Big Sky Big Takes, a part of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Welcome to episode five of Big Sky Big Takes, your around the horn style podcast on all things Big Sky Conference. Sources tell us there are two teams sitting at three and one uh, on top of the Big Sky standings, and both are located in the great state of Montana. There's a serious debate around the league if Eastern Washington should be in the top 25 and if they'll even be able to make the playoffs. And we are finally getting into some real conference play this weekend. What a week! Our panel, the hap- uh, our panel this week, uh, number one, the happiest Vandals fan in the world, host of the Tubs at the Club podcast, Chris Hammond, from the NAU and Big Sky Sports Pod, Casey Everett, and oh my, what a matchup we've got this week! It is a rivalry that's been brewing for years from the Montana Mint Sports Pod, the Unstoppable Troll Force, Hot Take Nate, and from the Grizz Fan Podcast, an unmovable stubborn man, Mike Nugent. Fellas, let's get into the first segment, go around the biggest storylines from the league. Uh, and we obviously have to start in Idaho. Idaho 35, Eastern Washington 27. One of the biggest conference upsets I can remember. How the heck did this happen? Um, I want us to talk about, you know, should... First off, let's start with how did this happen? Chris Hammond, there's no one better suited to answer that question. You were at the game. Tell us how the Vandals pulled this off. Well, Rory, you've been talking about it since the beginning of the season. Uh, this was Idaho's Super Bowl. Uh, they, they've been prepping for it. Uh, I didn't actually know how serious they were taking it all, but uh, you hear all the players afterwards, and they talked about how Eastern, they thought, kind of rubbed them the wrong way last year. Might have tried to rub up the score. Paul Petrino was upset that he felt he was outcoached. Um, and some of the players thought that Eastern played a little bit dirty. I didn't see that last year at the game, but they really wanted it, and it just came down to – I think Eastern being a little shell-shocked and not expecting a team to hit them as hard as they might have got hit by Jacksonville State last week. Uh, and then, you know, we, we showed up. We had our big running backs. They had over 200 yards on the ground, and they're two big dudes. And you would just watch their offense come off the field too. Uh, their offensive line was huffing and puffing as our, our D linemen just um, – we just out-physicaled them last week. And, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting that for sure. I, I was hoping for a good game, but I was not expecting the – the thorough bullying that they got at in Moscow, Idaho last weekend. 
Yeah, no, they controlled the game from beginning to end. It got a little close there uh, towards the end of the game, though. Mike Nugent at the Grizz game. What was kind of the vibe in the crowd, and what were you thinking when you saw that Idaho was beating up on the Eagles? You know, I think people were surprised. I don't think I don't think people pay quite as much attention. Like, it's not like cat games where they they scream and yell whenever they put a Grizz losing score up. Uh, people were paying attention to it, though. Um, it was shocking. I mean, Eastern Washington should not be losing to Idaho 28 to nothing. Idaho is not a good enough program, and Eastern Washington's too good of a program for that to be happening. Yeah, and so they had this. They had the uh, loss last weekend at Jacksonville State. Casey Everett with a 1-3 in three Eagles team. Do you think this team should be in the top 25? You know, it's been going on with injuries that's basically what's happened. And I don't think that this team is the same anymore. So, yes, I would put them at top 25 as number 25. Um, but after this coming week, they're not going to be in the list at all. Yeah, no, injuries certainly playing a factor. Hot take, Nate, we look at their kind of overall schedule. Eastern Washington's been around towards the top of the big sky seemingly forever, but now still in September, they have a really tough path of making the playoffs to make the playoffs. Do the Eagles need to win out in order to make the postseason? They do, but it's going to be a lot easier than you think it would be. Uh, their schedule in the big sky isn't the hardest schedule that you'll see this year. They have North Dakota, Sac State, Northern Colorado, an easy game at Montana, Northern Arizona, Idaho State, Cal Poly, and Portland State. These are all variable, win very winnable games for the Eastern Washington Eagles. So I don't. I think they do have to run the table, but I think that they actually can, especially if 7-1 and one is what gets them into the playoffs. So they're definitely not done yet. I also don't think they're a top 25 team right now. If we started out the season with nobody ranked in the FCS, and then after four weeks we looked at it and we ranked our teams 1-25, to 25, there's literally no way you could put Eastern Washington in the top 25. So they're not a top 25 team, but they can definitely still make the playoffs with that schedule that they have this year. Yeah, no, they definitely, uh, uh, those preseason polls can be sticky and it just sets where you are for the, for the year. And you kind of move from there. Uh, moving on to this weekend, the game of the week, no doubt number 18, Montana playing number four, UC Davis. What do you expect to see on Saturday? Mike, we're going to start with you. I definitely think it's going to live up to its game of the week. You know, uh, the Grizz were beating UC Davis at half last year, and then UC Davis annihilated them at home in a way that we really aren't, we really haven't seen. Scored something like 42 unanswered points. Um, yes. So I think it's going to be a real telling story to see if the Grizz have taken any steps forward. I mean, we only know so much in the non-conference schedule. I think they have, but it's going to be interesting. And, you know, this league is – so bizarre in non-conference because you've got schools like like Eastern who have to play up and play these ridiculous games for their budget. Um, and then you've got schools like Montana and Montana State who who don't. You know, they they had good home games and things like that. So it's conference is really interesting, but Davis almost lost to San Diego who doesn't give out scholarships. So we'll see. That's true, but they also put up a pretty good fight against uh, North Dakota State. Hot take, Nate. We You – or a, a fan of this game because you like the Big Sky Conference, but you also have a huge rooting interest against the Grizz. Looking at this game, what what is your expectation going into Saturday? Well, I think Davis should be able to pass 
all over the Grizz. Right now, the Grizz are ranked 124 in the FCS and pass D. So I think that is the advantage for Jake Mayer in this game, going up against uh, that Grizz, uh, you know, pass D. I do think Snead's a really good quarterback. Obviously, I would love to have him on the Cats. I think he'd obviously be an upgrade over the quarterbacks that we have right now, unless it's Troy Anderson playing quarterback. <laughs> but uh, Snead's gone against the 126th, the 84th, the 125th, uh, past defenses in the FCS so far. So he is going to be facing a little bit bigger of a task going against Davis, who's number 65 right now. So this week's going to be interesting to see if Snead can keep that momentum going against a little bit better past defense than he's seen. Uh, I just can't wait for the game. I think it's going to be a blast. Um, that'll be one I'll definitely be following all weekend. Yeah, and we have – Yeah, I mean, it is a battle of two very good quarterbacks, um, arguably the two best quarterbacks in uh, the Big Sky Conference. Chris Hammond, I'm going to jump down to you here. Who do you think is the better quarterback between Dalton Sneed and Jake Mayermeyer? I mean, if we're talking prospects and tangibles, it's obviously Jake Mayer. He he is the better quarterback. But if we're talking who I want to lead my team out right now, it's Dalton Sneed, no question. He is a bigger winner, he's a bigger baller, and he's a bigger stud. And his stats show it this year. Jake Mayer may be the best, better pro prospect out of the two when it comes to sniffing the league as an actual quarterback. But this year, Mayer hasn't showed anything to live up to his preseason big sky pick for offensive player of the year uh, and I believe he won the national honor for that as well uh, so far he's in every category is already halfway to throwing as many interceptions as he did in 2018 uh, and in and his time um, in 2017 so right now Mayer's just not having a good year and that includes a, a tune-up game against Lehigh so it's not like they've had super hard competition yet um, other than North Dakota State, and his stats don't show it, where Dalton Sneed's played well in every game he's been in. All right, let's move on. Uh, out of conference play, basically over. Um, what has been, in your opinion, the most important storyline of the first four weeks? Casey Everett, I'm going to start with you. Well, I'm going to talk about NAU, and that is their running game. I was kind of surprised with how terrible it is. <laughs> and you know what? I'm an NAU fan, and I don't mind saying that because it is. Their defense is really good, especially against the against the running game. the The passing game is needs a little bit of work on, but they have absolutely no running game. All right, we'll drill down a little further on NAU in a second. Mike Nugent. Real quick, what's been the biggest, most important storyline from out-of-conference play for you? I honestly think it's off the field. I think that it just further highlights what what a crazy league this is. Um, streaming is awful. It's not consistent. We, we're a D1 league that, that can't get our fans around the country to good quality products to watch. Yes. Our out-of-conference schedules are terrible. I mean, we had several NAI playdown games. I mean, my biggest story is this conference is a conference of, of people who actually care about football in one tier and schools that just kind of seem to do it. And it's really disappointing, honestly. I hope someday maybe they will figure this out, whether it becomes two, you know, two divisions or some of these teams get kicked out because this is getting ridiculous. And, and the fan bases that really care deserve better, in my opinion. Yeah, Idaho State is a great example where, I mean, they basically have to run the table to make the playoffs because they had such a weird out-of-conference schedule. I know that Coach Fennessy there wants to change things, but uh, there are a handful of teams that just are not uh, holding holding the weight that they need to. Hot take, Nate, most important storyline from the first four weeks of the season. 
and this, I promise this was not rehearsed, but I have to echo Mike and he talked about it up front and then he talked about it again. Now was this week out of conference schedule. And I think we all noticed it, which is why we're both talking about it right now. Half the league played one or zero FCS games heading into this weekend, into the conference season. That's just insane. Portland State played zero. Idaho played one. Sac State <laughs> played one. Poly played one. Weber played one. And Idaho State played one. We have zero, we have no idea what these teams are about. We have They don't know what they're even about. And it's just, like Mike said, it sucks when you have the Cats and Grizz, and I know that some of it's budgetary, but it just sucks when you have half the, you know, half the league that is competitive and wants to get that Big Sky brand out there, build the new facilities. Then you have half the schools that are just trying to get money from play-up games and they don't give a shit what happens in the conference. So I have to echo Mike. We actually agree on something here, and it's the out-of-conference was super weak this year. I've always liked you, Nate. <laughs> I want to <laughs> say that uh, Idaho State's game this year was their first FCS game in like a decade or some insane number. Um, Chris Hammond, we'll end it here. Uh, round one with you real quick. What is your most important storyline from the first four weeks? Yeah. I mean, everybody kind of touched on a Montana, Montana state killed the the scheduling where everybody else fell apart on it. But I guess to carry on what Nate was talking about there in the latter half of his points, uh, it's the fact that we still don't really know anything. And that's probably because of the scheduling. UC Davis holds really tough against North Dakota state. And then they look just awful against San Diego like South Dakota, Monmouth, Western Illinois, um, you know, these aren't teams that necessarily have showed anything to us about what the Montana schools really are. We're really going to see what they're tested about now that Big Sky plays come around. Um, I mean, what is Eastern Washington's deal right now? And in the same echo in the more positive light, Sac State and Portland State, like, who are these guys? Sac State's look great against two FCS or FBS teams and then blown out their one FCS team. And then Portland State, has either played up or played down, so we have no idea really what's going on in the Big Sky. And I mean, our Big Sky power rankings have kind of showed it over the last four weeks, and I'm sure as the first two weeks of conference play start, we're going to see a lot more movement because we're going to start to figure out where teams actually fit into the picture. Yeah, been a lot of volatility for the first uh, four weeks. All right, we're going to move down to the drill-down segment, but before we do, we got big news, folks. There is a new sponsor this week on all the Montana Mint, uh, podcast, including this one, uh, Logjam Presents. Logjam Presents is crushing it in Montana. In addition to running the Wilma, the Top Hat, and the Kettle House Amphitheater in Missoula, they also promote shows at the historic Rialto Theater in Bozeman. If you're heading to the Cats game on Saturday, you should check out a Logjam show on Friday. This Friday, Ranges will be at the Rialto for an album release party. They're an incredible Bozeman-based band that is constantly touring the United States and Europe, and they have some of the coolest gear I've ever seen. Tickets are available at logjampresent.com. Logjam Presents, live music redefined. All right, we have you guys on because you know a lot about your specific team, so let's get down to the drill-down segment of the show. Mike, I'm starting with you and the Grizz. Uh, obviously, a lot of optimism with a 3-1 and record, three FCS wins going into conference play, but... Nate's already touched on it. One weakness is uh, their passing defense. Monmouth passed for nearly 400 yards on Saturday, and the Grizz have statistically one of the lowest-tier pass defenses in the big sky. Um, and yet, they are respectable in points allowed per game. In fact, they're better than the Cats. What is going on with the Grizz defense? You know, I think it's a case of it's it's not as bad as statistics appear but it's also not great um, one of their big issues is 
in some games they've struggled to get good pressure. Ironically, this week they actually had good pressure. They got four sacks. Uh, the Monmouth QB just got the ball out so incredibly fast that there was nothing they could do. And I hope to God that they just didn't want to put things on film because the defensive coaches did not appear to adjust. They were giving the inside position to the receivers all game, and Monmouth took advantage of it until the very end when Darian Nash corrected and got an interception. I'm just hoping that that was strategic. I kind of don't buy that, but I'm kind of you got to tell yourself something because otherwise we're in some trouble. That that Grizz D line is young. They'll get better every week, but unless they can get consistent pressure with the three, the odd, unusual three-three-five they're playing, um, the Grizz could have a long season on the passing defense side. For sure. All right, Chris Hammond. I've given the Vandals a lot of grief over the first four weeks, um, but let's talk about something positive. And I want to know what should the fan base think after a kind of a pretty good two week stretch for the Vandals with a very close FBS loss, five point loss to Wyoming, and then an upset win over Eastern Washington. This Vandal team is receiving top 25 votes, but should they be considered a top 25 team? And what should all of you Vandal fans be thinking about this team going into conference play? Well, I think it echoes what could be said about a lot of teams, both positive and negative pump the brakes. Like I just said, we don't really know anything yet. Uh, if you're an Idaho fan, yes, you just had a really good win. Enjoy it. You had a really good performance against Wyoming. Enjoy it. But the fact is we're not a top 25 team yet. Um, you know, we have the opportunity to be, but we're going to have to prove it. After the way we played last year, how we started the season against Penn State, it's kind of a show me it, not just expect it to be given to you type of deal. We've got a potential trap game against Northern Colorado this week. We need to handle our business there, win by a large margin. Then you've got a chance at potentially a top five team in Weber State. They've got a tough matchup this week on their own against Northern Iowa, who's number nine. So if they lose that, there's a chance they're still in the top ten. If they win it, there's a chance they're even higher as possibly a number four, number three. So you have a chance to really at home in a, two weeks – really put out another showcase against a top five, top 10 team. If you win that, then it's maybe time to start talking top 25. And if we do win that, I'd expect us to start looking uh, top 20 to top 15 range if we can pull off these next two wins uh, in the upcoming weeks. Oh, man. If Idaho loses to Northern Colorado, that'd be the most Idaho thing to happen. Um, Casey, Northern Arizona is a team where – there is a huge question mark next to them. Uh, they sit at two and two, uh, and it, it, it is unclear, you know, is this a team competing for the playoffs? Is this just an average Big Sky team? They have wins over a pretty solid Southeast Missouri State team, but also D2 Western New Mexico, and then losses at FBS Arizona and against Illinois State, who is ranked fairly high in the Sagarin ratings, number 129. What do we need to see from this team uh, to get them into the top Four in the power rankings, the Big Sky uh, Podcast uh, Network power rankings. Right now, they sit at number eight. What do they need to do to jump into that top four? Consistency. That's that's number one. We need to work on our run game. If we can do that, and if we can have a really good showing and possible win against Montana State Saturday, then we have a chance because after that, with knowing how Eastern Washington is kind of going downhill. We don't have very hard teams after, you know, Montana State. We don't play Montana. We don't play UC Davis. 
we've beaten Weber the last four times, and I don't know how Weber's looking, but you know, I, I think that we have a very doable way of being in the, in the top four if we have consistency and we can win. All right. Well, I think they do definitely need to get some W's up on the board before we start considering them a top-tier team. Hot take, Nate. Montana State benched Casey Bauman, Bauman, Bauman uh, last weekend and started Tucker Rovig. Choate said when he gave Bauman the job uh, that it was not going to be on a short lease. After Bauman's two-and-one start, it was, suddenly, it was suddenly Rovig starting this past weekend. Do you agree with Coach Choate uh, on the decision to start Tucker Rovig? It was time to make a change. I think we all wanted to see Casey Bauman succeed at that quarterback position. He has all the physical traits to be that guy that Choate wanted where you can rely on that run game but have that big arm that's going to stretch the defense out a little bit. We didn't see it in those first three games. He was a game manager. Didn't play horrible against Texas Tech, but against two FCS teams that he should have been a lot better against. I mean, he was 48.6% completion rate on the year. He was missing a ton of open guys. Rovic came in last week, and I was I was ready for it. I know a lot of Bobcat fans were ready for it, and put on a show against a pretty crappy Norfolk State team. I get that, yeah, but one of the worst teams in Yeah, I mean it was, and and I I don't want to get far ahead of myself because Rovig had a great game against a very weak Wagner team last year. He was going to come back and get the start the next week, and then he broke his foot in practice, so we kind of lost out on seeing what he could do against a you know a better competition. So I think it was time. Rovig was the guy to go to. Beltran's not ready. We're not giving the keys back to Troy Anderson. Rovig was the guy to get it going. I'm super excited to see him this week against NAU. It's his job to lose now. It's not bombing, waiting there for him to mess up. Rovig has all the traits as well. He just has to seize the moment. I'm really excited to see what he can do against NAU this weekend. And uh, I think it was time, though, that Choate had to make that uh, change to energize the, the offense a little bit. Yeah, Bauman was, I mean, Cats were winning their games, but Bauman was clearly... Uh, a liability out there on the field. Um, all right. We are running a little behind schedule, fellas. So let's quickly get to the fantasy builder. Uh, as you know, this is uh, our weekly Big Sky Conference fantasy team builder, regular fantasy stats uh, on a week by week basis. We're going to draft quarter or we're going to draft uh, players by position um, in each round. So a little different than what you're used to on your regular fantasy. And in round one, we're going to start with quarterbacks. Hot take, Nate. Are you going to take uh, Tucker Rovig? No. I'm going to go with Jake Mayermeyer. He's going against 124th ranked pass defense in the FCS. <laughs> it was either him or Barry Arier. I'm going with Mayermeyer. All right. Casey Everett, who are you taking in round one? I'm taking Barrier. All right. Nice and easy. Two great quarterbacks off the board. Uh, third pick goes to Mike Nugent. You know, I'm actually surprised Sneed's not off the board here because UC Davis's pass defense isn't anything special. It's 60-something. I think 60-something's a lot closer to 120 than whatever. So um, I was going to take Cookus, but I'm going to take Sneed. Be the All homer. Right. I like it. Sometimes it's good to be a homer. Chris Hammond, who are you taking uh, in round one for your quarterback? I just want to thank you guys for saving me from the loony bin. I thought I was going to have to take Mason Petrino here, but I'm going to take Jalen Hamler <laughs> for Cal Poly. All right. Pretty successful round one. I think that's the first time Hamler has gone off the board, right? Yeah. I like it. There's something There's something weird going on in Cal Poly. All right. Speaking of Cal Poly, big running back, heavy school traditionally, and Chris Hammond, you have the number one pick uh, for running backs. Who are you going to take? 
Oh, man. Uh, it, I, I actually don't like having to pick first here. Um, but if I do, I'm, I'm just going to really ride the, the Cal Poly train. I think I'm going to go with <laughs> Dutran Sampson from Cal Poly and just get all of Cal Poly's running yards and then hope that Southern, Utah, or Southern Utah's defense is as porous as it seems and they put in a ton of touchdowns, I guess. All right, this is a weird trend of all Cal Poly players going. Mike Nugent, who are you taking for your running back? You know, I'm going to gamble that Isaiah Fonse from MSU is ready to go. Um, hopefully they were just holding him out in the pre, pre-conference schedule. Um, I, I'm going to grab him. Oh, Nate, don't let me down. Man, right. that breaks hot Love take it. Nate's heart. Casey Everett, who are you going to take for your running back? I'm going to take Mar- Marcus Knight from University of Montana. Oh, man, you're just you're just sucking up. You were sucking up to me by taking a Grizz fan, and it's very transparent, but appreciated. Hot take Nate. Best run of the year last year. <laughs> yeah. Hot take Nate, who do you got for your running back? Damn, I was going to take Knight, and Mike and I were going to flip-flop Grizz and Cats players there, but it got taken off the board right in front of me. I'm going to go with Andre Carter from Idaho. Andre Carter. He is a running okay. back, right? He is a running back. Not a quarterback. Um, and Chris, I'm sure you heard on the last episode, but we did uh, put in a the Troy Anderson rule, so he can only be taken as quarterback, not as your flex. Um, I, I did hear that. We are going to go to wide receivers next, and Casey Everett, you have the number one pick. Hendricks Johnson, NAU. All right. You had to get at least one lumberjack on your roster. Um, I got to. Hot take, Nate. Man. Jeff Cotton's still on the board. I could double up on points with Carson Crawford. I'm going way off here. I'm going Coy Steele, Sheridan, Wyoming, Montana State, my favorite player on the catch right now. Coy Steele, wide receiver. Oh, man. Someone tried to say that uh, Greg Rockach was the first guy who loved him, but we all know that it was Hot Take Nate was was the first first media member who loved Coy Steele. Number three, uh, Chris Hammond. Or no, did we already do you, Chris? We did not, but I'm not going right. to pick Coy Steele anyway, so I'm not too bummed. <laughs> Good. Tell us who you want for your number for the number three pick in the round. You know what? I'm sorry, Mike. I'm going to take Sammy Akem. It's going to be a shootout in David. You know, I like it because I didn't want to be. I didn't want to have two Grizz, so I'm going to take Crawford <laughs> from UC Davis because it is going to be a shootout. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, and Chris, I feel bad for uh, uh, skipping over your pick that last round, so I'll give you the number one pick in round four for your flex. Who are you going to take? I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to take Ty Flanagan, Idaho State. He's been quiet all season. He's due. Okay, you'll have to explain to me later who he is. Uh, Hot take, Nate, who are you taking as your flex? Well, there's a Troy Anderson rule, but I haven't heard about a Travis Johnson rule, so I'm taking Travis Johnson, Montana State, everything. <laughs> All right, Travis Johnson. Mike Nugent, who do you got for your flex? I'm taking uh, Antoine Custer, Eastern Washington. I think they're going to bounce back. And Casey Everett, close us out. Who do you got as your flex player here? I'm going to have another NAU player, and that's Brandon Porter. Brandon Porter. All right. Well, everybody, we'll post these up on our Twitter. You'll have the ability to vote on who has the best team out of the four uh, our four panelists. And we'll also be keeping track of the scores. So you can check out who did the best and who did the worst before 
We're going to move into our showdown in the top two uh, 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 contenders for the championship. But before we do that, just want to give a shout out to our other big sponsor. Uh, as you know, Big Sky Big Takes is a joint production of Montana Men's Sports and the Big Sky Podcast Network. And we are very proud to be sponsored by the Montana Men's Store. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Montana Mint, and the Montana Mint store is the engine behind everything that the Mint does. Uh, we just absolutely love them, and they have a, a unique approach to, to making gear in Montana. Those of us who are from Montana, or anyone who's been to this state, you start to realize one thing about fashion uh, in the big sky. If there's a cool design being made or a, a cool new shirt that comes out, Almost instantaneously, everybody is wearing it. Just look at the home with the period on the end of its shirt and the hat that has the outline of Montana with roots coming out from the bottom. There had to have been at least two million of each of those sold. Uh, this drove our friends at the Montana Mint Store crazy, so they decided to do just limited runs of everything that they produce. That means when you buy from the Montana Mint, you know that there's only a small number out there in the market giving you a, a chance to stand out among the crowd Check out all their gear today at the Montana dash or at, at Montana dash mint.com and search for the store. Okay. Looked at, looked at a uh, uh, producer, Jerry, who was uh, pretty confused about how this game went. There's more Cal Poly than the algorithm could uh, was built to handle, but that worked out in Chris Hammond's favor. He's moving on to round two and he is taking on first timer to the pod mike nugent guys you're going to the showdown before questions the winner of this will have some time to rant about whatever they want question number one we've been talking a lot about offense on this podcast uh in every episode so far but let's give the defensive guys some love through the first four games of the year who is the defensive mvp in this in the big sky conference chris hammond let's start with you well i'm glad producer jerry got my bouquet of flowers uh, but if we're talking <laughs> about the question here, it's Charles Chuck Acano right now for the University of Idaho. I'm not saying that just as a homer pick. He's the only Big Sky player to get an FCS stats nod for player of the week on defense. Uh, he absolutely destroyed Eastern Washington, and he's done it also against Central Washington and had a very, very good game against Wyoming. So as of week four, he's the leading candidate. But a lot he of season left. He was all over the field in that Eastern Washington game. Mike Nugent, who do you got for your defensive MVP? You know, this is going to surprise some people, but I, I it's hard not to say Bryce Sterk from MSU. I mean, that guy has been a beast. I think the pressure they're getting on, on QBs is a difference maker for their defense. If O-lines can stop him, I think they're susceptible. Uh, I think that if they're number one in our power rankings, he's number one on defense right now. An audible whoa from Hot Take Nate with that pick. Question number two. We're going to do a, a buy or sell, steal a gimmick from the reel around the horn. Uh, UC Davis traveled to ND, NDSU last weekend and got knocked off 27-16. to 16. Buy or sell this statement. No one in the Big Sky Conference can beat the Bison this year. Mike Nugent, are you buying or selling? I'm selling that. I actually don't think that UC Davis has played like the best team in the Big Sky Conference in the preseason. I mean, maybe they rose to the occasion, but I – I think it's early. I think sooner or later, NDSU is going to fall, and I'm, I'm selling that. Chris Hammond? Yeah, you know, I, I've got to sell as well. I think a lot of people forget that UC Davis, that was a four-point game until two minutes and 50 seconds less than the, left in the fourth. So they were in it in Fargo. If there's a chance to beat them in the playoffs, maybe in Davis if they get slipped up or in Frisco on a neutral field, I, I think there's a good shot. 
All right, buy or sell this one for me. Southern Utah had three kicks blocked and it's lost to South Dakota State. Shout out to Greg Rockhodge for that stat. Buy or sell, is this the funniest stat of the season so far? Chris Hammond. Uh, I'm going sell. It's Eastern Washington's excuses. Uh, Idaho was also <laughs> out five starters last week. All you keep hearing about is how Eastern was out all these starters. We were missing four starters on defense and a starting right guard. So uh, the excuses continue out of Cheney. That's the funniest fact so far this season. Mike Nugent, are you buying or selling three block kicks in one game being the funniest stat of the season so far? You know, I am selling that too. I was going to pick on Eastern for an entirely different reason. We're sitting here talking about how crappy their schedule is, how, how poorly they set themselves up. When they were the national championship champions coming off that season in 2011, they started 0-4. This is a pattern for them, so I just find it amusing. Yeah, it it is kind of refreshing. I like the when the Grizz win. I don't really root against the Bobcats, but I do enjoy an Eagles loss, even out of conference. Uh, last question in the showdown. Montana and Montana State are the only two teams in the Big Sky Conference that are 3-1. and one. Uh and it's extra notable because neither of them played a Division Two or an NAIA team. Buy or sell this statement. The Grizz and the Cats are the teams to beat in the Big Sky. Chris Hammond. Uh, I'm going to go split this in, in a buy and sell. The, the Grizz are not the team to beat because they have a really tough schedule and they might get tripped up along the way. The Cats have a pretty easy schedule from here on out. So that's the team where if we need someone to beat them for you to have a chance at the championship, you're going to have to knock off Montana State because you're probably the only team with a shot to do it. Mike Nugent or the Montana teams, the teams to beat? Nope, I'm selling this for both of them. Absolutely not. We just got done saying how, how the, the pre-conference schedules, we don't know really a whole lot. Yeah, both the Cats and the Grizz played, played three FCS teams. That's great. But until somebody can can score consistently on Weber State until somebody takes down UC Davis, or frankly, until Eastern loses another game and eliminates themselves from the playoffs. Those are the teams to beat. The Cats have to prove this ridiculous number one ranking, and the Grizz need to prove that they've taken steps forward. All right. Well, looking over at Jerry, I think the bouquet of flowers paid off. Chris Hammond is our champion for episode number five. Chris, I'm turning the mic over to you. You got some time to rant about whatever it is that you feel like. All right. For all you Montana Mint sports uh, listeners, this will probably be the last time I win this. Uh, a couple weeks ago, you might have recalled uh, Bear Tycoon and Hot Take Nate bagging on the Idaho Vandals colors. Well, I'd also like to point out that there's over 15 schools with a Bobcat mascot. There's over 39 schools that use the colors blue and yellow or blue and gold. There's five <laughs> Grizzly mascots, 37 of which, if you just include bears as general, they're pretty much Little Wazoo, except they changed crimson to maroon and then stole the script letters. A little bit more unique on the coloring, and I do think it might look a little better. Silver and gold for the University of Idaho represents the state of Idaho's mineral wealth, something I would expect from people from the treasure state to understand. And, I mean, Nate said it in the pre-recording that people didn't hear. His favorite color is gold. So I stand by my school's colors. I love silver gold and then the little bit of black twist we put on it. So uh, that, that hurt my feelings a lot, and I had to get it off my chest. Pretty defensive for a guy who roots for one of the ugliest teams in the league. Chris Hammond, where can people find you on Twitter? And when does the Tubbs at the Club podcast drop? All right, you can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore P underscore Hammond. You can find the show of record, the Tubbs at Club. 
uh, on at Tubbs at the Club on Twitter, and then it also releases every single week on Thursdays. You can also find this there too if uh, the Mint ever has technical difficulties again. But that's how you can find Tubbs at the Club and myself on Twitter. Our runner-up, Mike Nugent, where can folks find you on Twitter and tell them about the Grizz Fan Pod? Um, at Mike M. Nugent, at Grizz Fan Pod. Grizz Fan Dr- Pod drops every week on Tuesdays, so if you're listening to this, it's already out this week. Uh, great show this week. Uh, Chris, your colors are freaking nonsense. <laughs> Talking about instant replay would have been a much better rant. This is a waste <laughs> of a show. Casey Everett, where can people find you on Twitter, and, and when? where can we find your show? Sure. I'm at NAU Podcast on Twitter. You can also find my show on SoundCloud.com slash NAU Podcast, and it comes out every Thursday. And also, unlike Idaho, our mascot's not genderless. <laughs> and for you all the Bobcat fans Montana out there. State have the same colors. <laughs> and all Colorado. The, all the Bobcat fans out there. Uh, who want to learn a little bit more about the Lumberjacks, check out Casey's pod this week to get prepared. Hot Take Nate, everyone knows where they can listen to you, but where can they find you on Twitter? I'm at Mint's Hot Take Nate, and the the Nate is spelled like N8 because it's pretty clever. So it's Mint's Hot Take (laughs) Nate on Twitter. And that was probably the best rant of the show this year. I enjoyed it, but, yeah, the colors are still hideous. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's a reason there's a reason that no one else chooses those ugly colors all right that's yeah, it for a us <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, oh, i wonder why no one else has picked this awful color combo um all right on that note uh thanks everyone for listening uh i'm bear tycoon check me on twitter at bear tycoon and we will see you next week <laughs>